So I want to start, and I want to start with a little inventory. I realized as I was walking over here that I didn't really have a good sense yet where you guys are in terms of getting ready for field number two. So for your, your opening of class, uh, click in. You've already clicked in. That's okay. You can do it again. I want you to give me a number one if it is the case that for you, you don't yet have an illustrations of the IPA article that your section instructor has said, yes, this is right. Okay, so give me a one if that's a yes. If it's a no, give me any number that's not one. All right, and I've got several of these, so I'm going to proceed through them relatively quickly. I want your input. If you miss one because we're going too fast, don't worry. So let's, let's uh, let me know about that one in the next three, two, one. Okay, let's see what I've got. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me ask you also, please click with a one if you are not yet comfortable making a PDF file. If you are comfortable with it, click in with any number that's not one. All right, and please, in the next, let's say, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Okay. There's still a few, not many, but a few. That's important for me to know. Uh, let's see. There's, there's three major parts for your field notebook <coughs> two. Um, I'm now wanting to find out the consonant inventory and the minimal pairs that should go with it. If you still feel like you don't know what to do in that section, give me a one. If 
you feel confident about, at least in principle, what goes in that section, give me a number that's not one, okay? And in the next five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Okay, so there's still a significant number of those. And how about the vowel inventory and minimal pairs? If you still feel like you have significant questions about it, give me a one. If not, give me anything that's not a one. You guys are going fast. There appear to be 115 in our audience today. There should be 120 some, so I'm worried about those six people, seven people, 10 people. Well, there should be 150. We know not to expect that. Okay, thanks. Okay. Here's my plan to address these items. Sorry, let me go back. Go back. I am going to do this process at my desk in my office, and I'm going to make a video of it. And I'm going to post that video to D2L. So if you couldn't, if you don't remember, we did it in class together. Uh, and, it, and there's a video of that from class. But I'm going to do it again more slowly in a stepwise manner. And I'm going to ask you if you haven't, if you're feeling uncomfortable about this, that will be a resource for you. Okay. Um, I don't know why I had the extra thing. Um, there weren't many of you who had yet issues with uh, making a PDF, but there were a few. So you know what advice I'm going to give you guys if you were the part of the group that doesn't yet know. What, if, what am I going to recommend that you do? 24-7 help. 24-7 help desk. Yeah, if you have time and a laptop, you can bring it in to my office hours or somebody else's office hours, and we can try to walk you through the process. We're not tech support, but often we can help. You remember that there's a new resource in D2L on how to make a PDF, right? Very good. I will even offer you guys, if you will send me a dot .doc or .x by the end of the day on Wednesday, I will see if I can convert it, and I'll send you back a PDF, and you'll at least see that it's possible. Um, but I can't do that. You, you need to learn how to do this for yourself. I certainly can't, can't guarantee anything. These two, um, these two bits, what you're doing with your consonant inventory and what you're doing with your vowel inventory, I think I've covered everything in lecture for those parts. You have also had some review in, of those parts in section so I'm not going to go back and review that material, but if you still feel like you're not sure, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you come to my office hours and or your TA's office hours and or 
send Emily a note, see if you can make an appointment with her and you'll be there at her office hours or some other mutually convenient time. Um, I'm even going to say that you, if you can't make your own TA's office hours, you can come to any TA's office hours. So I'm going to try to make a collection of what those office hours are, location and time, and post that on D2L as well. I want you to get some one-on-one -on -one assistance because I think we've told you everything we need to know. So, so if you still have questions, that just means that the material is hard. That's, that's not a problem, but I, we want to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Okay? Okay. <laughs> There's the third part of your project part to your field notebook two that we just started covering, and that's the last section of it where we want you to talk about the phonotactics of your language, syllabification. I do have more to say about that today. Uh, and this is where we stand in the calendar. We are here. Your Field Notebook 2 is due this Friday before start of section. And you should have two documents that you upload to the Field Notebook 2 Dropbox. The Dropbox is open. You can upload them at your convenience. I encourage you, once you get your illustrations of the IPA article sorted out, to upload that early so you don't have to worry about it. That's one of the two things that needs to be there. And then the other of the two things is obviously the field notebook. Yeah? Okay. Monday morning, following that, Monday morning at 8 o'clock, you will magically see exam one if you go to the quizzes area in D2L. Remember, exam one covers, focuses on lecture. It covers the material through the end of this week. So material we cover in class this week will not be on exam one. It will be on exam two, which is at the end of the term. Exam two is not officially cumulative. This is going to be the last time we ask you on an exam for specific information about, for example, the IPA. However, we expect that you will have learned the IPA so that we can use it on exam two. And you'll know what we need. Right? So there's no, it's, the, the exams are not officially cumulative, but we think your knowledge is cumulative. And so we count on that we can continue to use uh, terms and concepts. Right? Okay. No forgetting. You did all this work to learn this information, you should not forget. Okay. So that's where we are in terms of our semester. The end of February always feels like the worst grind, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll get through it. Um, oh. So here's that information about exam one. Remember, exam one closes as do the quizzes on Friday at midnight, but the D2L team always reserves those last two hours on a Friday night for, for scheduled maintenance, which means that you might not get good D2L performance during 10 p.m. to midnight on Friday. And if that happens, and you've saved answers in your D2L exam, but you haven't submitted it, you're safe. 
because I can submit it after the fact for you. But if you haven't saved your answers, you're not safe. So I would be certain that you completed the exam to the best of your ability and saved all your work by 10 p.m. on Friday. And then if you want to use that extra two hours to look it over, to mess around with stuff, you can. Just don't count on T2L being nice to you for those last two hours. Okay? Okay. No time limit on the exam within that five-day period. Do we have questions on the calendar? No. Good. Whose cat is that? And what's the cat's name? Tunchi. Is that right? Eric spells it T-U-N-E, capital C-H-I. Tunchi. Where does that come from? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is a hip cultural reference. <laughs> okay. Remember our carved in stone. You 111 people who are sitting here today will not be the ones who mess up on this because you will have seen it. It's the, well, 150 minus 111 is that number of people. Those guys are going to make the mistake. So, PDF, two files, not one file. Before start of section, not by midnight, before start of section. Due diligence means you should do it. You should check and make sure it's done correctly because we know that D2L can try to mess you up by not sending it all the way through, right, or and hanging in the process or something. Once you have that ticket from the D2L Dropbox that says, hello, Cassandra, you have successfully submitted Blarg, then you keep that. And then if D2L messes up, You've got evidence it was in on time. No harm, no foul for you. You just collect it if it's, if it's messed up. Okay. Okay. Eric also has a dog who is called Max. He's in this room. What did you want to Last time we met, we introduced this idea of syllables, syllabification. This is the third part of your field notebook, too. <coughs> so the first thing we did is we looked at a spectrogram. Do you remember? And we saw a waveform, and we saw that speech goes like this. And we danced. But what, what is this that's going up and down? It's, it's a kind of acoustical energy called sonorant energy. Sonorant energy. Usually sonorant. What was sonorant energy like? How do you know whether something's sonorant? So the sonorant energy is the most in the middle of the syllable. We also call that the syllable peak. But do you remember what was special about sonorant energy? You can sing it. It carries a tune. So sounds that carry a tune are sonorant sounds. And all the vowels do it. Ah, my horrible singing. Mmm, nasal. Oh, right? The liquids. 
grammatical reason we think there are syllables. We think there are syllables because in all languages, when people talk, they, they get this rhythm of summer and energy less. Summer and energy less. Right? Now, each, each of those little packets of summer and energy, each pulse of loudness, roughly speaking, we've called a syllable. Every, and then we define some positions or some parts of this syllable. So I gave you a term that talks about the, the loudest part of the syllable, the middle of the syllable. Its synonym is nucleus. Do you remember what that word was? Yes. Peak. Yes, peak. Excellent. So if you're a syllable, you have a peak by definition. How many peaks do you have? Only one. Exactly one. Excellent. If you are a vowel, any sound that is a vowel, when you stick that sound into a word, it has to get syllabified. What does it get syllabified as? A peak or a nucleus. So by definition, vowels act like peaks, which means when you read the words that you yourself created for your language, you know which symbols stand for vowels, right? And you know that each of those vowels is going to be the peak of the syllable. Yes. If you are a vowel, you have to be a peak. You cannot have a vowel that is not a peak. That is the first rule. Now, that's true for every, every known spoken human language, so it's going to be true for your language, too. No choice about that. You do have some choice about the other sounds in your inventory, though, whether they can be syllable peaks or not. And remember that there are certain sounds, particularly those sonoric consonants like the nasals and the liquids, that in some languages can act like vowels with respect to syllabification. They can be syllable peaks. You get to decide whether that's true of your language or not. Okay. We can't tell yet on the basis of your words. There are even some languages on Earth um, that can let any consonant, any sound in the inventory be the center of a syllable. Those, those are very strange languages. And they will have words that have no vowels in them. It will have some words that have no sonorants in them. That's how you can tell whether you've got that kind of language. I hope you don't have that kind of language, because if you do, your syllabification job is going to be really hard. But technically, you can do it. You got another question? How, how do you decide that yourself? Would that just be based on how the, song, how the word sounds? So how do you decide whether you want your language to do this or not? It will not be based on how the words sound. It should be, it's an arbitrary decision. I don't have any guidelines for you at all. It won't change the sounds of words, but it will change their rhythm. So I'll, I've got some examples here where we'll explore how it, that might happen. Okay. Now we talked about where consonants belong in syllables. So. Some languages allow consonants to be at the middle of a syllable, but not all languages do. 
all languages allow at least one consonant to precede the peak in a syllable. And when there's a consonant preceding the peak, we refer to that consonant as an onset. So an onset is one or more consonants. If you're an onset, you're a consonant. You can't have a vowel be an onset. And then, if you're a consonant and you're on the other side of the peak in a syllable, we call you a coda. So a coda is one or more consonants that follow the peak. So I just want you to be, when I use these words, I want you to not be completely panicked by them because we're just talking about where things go inside of the syllable. I want us to, to recapitulate our sonority contour dance so that we can remember how this works. So remember, the syllables are the things that are the loudest. They're the peaks. And the edges of the syllable tend to be quieter than the middles. So what does this guy look like? I'm going to try to do it. This is your left. Is that the right direction? This one. Okay. So, ah, ah. Right. Does everybody agree that pot is one syllable? Yeah. Okay. Good. How about this one? Large. Large. One syllable. How about this? Uh, oh. <coughs> That's fine. That's a, this one is okay in English, but not not okay necessarily in every language. And what's 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 different about this one than the others so far? It starts with a vowel. It doesn't have an onset. Correct. So I'll call this onsetless, an onsetless syllable. How about this one? Pert. 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 That's a word, isn't it? Word of English, pert. You can be pert and perky. Yeah, it's a name of the shampoo. Now, Ha-ku. Two has to be two syllables, right? And we know that because it's got two vowels in it and there's a consonant in between them. How about this one? This was o-o-two, which has to be at least two. Probably is three syllables because o is louder than O is a vowel, so it's a peak. Who is a vowel, so it's a peak. So, so what I'm trying to get you to practice is pronouncing your words that you made up and thinking about how they're syllabified. Okay? Now, here's the, a very, very important concept that transitions us from the study of sounds to the study of words. And the concept is this. 
In any spoken human language, the building blocks of words are syllables. The building blocks of syllables are phones. So you, you've created a set, you've used a set of consonant phones, right? And a set of vowel phones, that's good, because you need to interleave those guys in order to make words. The way you build a word is by first creating some number of syllables and then combining those syllables into a word, potentially. So every word is at least one syllable long. And most languages allow there to be monosyllabic words, right? words of one syllable. You might have some of those in the words you've already made up. If you do, they are like gold to you as you discuss the phonotactics of your language, monosyllables. Because those guys are a word and a syllable. So you can just look at the word and tell what kind of syllable it is. There's no, you don't have to make any judgments about something, whether, whether it's in one syllable or the other, because it's one word. Um, in the past, students have sometimes gotten messed up when they're talking about their phonotactic system because they'll say things in their papers like, well, in this language, words have onsets. Words have syllables. Syllables have onsets. So remember that these, these terms we're using, onset, peak, and coda, those are terms that refer to syllables, not words. Every word has one or more syllables in it, right? And that has a consequence that the beginning of every single word in every spoken human language is also the beginning of some syllable in that language. Right? If every word is built of syllables, then the start of a word has to be the start of a syllable. And if every word is built of syllables, then the end of the word is the end of a syllable. But we know that words can be built of more than one syllable. So the stuff in the middle of long words can get confusing, which is why we love the monosyllables. So here's some monosyllables in English. Let's say them. I, by, spy, spry. Everybody agree those are each one syllable long? Now, when I try to figure out what the syllable structure of these guys is, I'm working from English. This is how we spell the words. That's going to mess me up. I want to transcribe them first into IPA. Okay, so this is one way we can write the diphthong I. I, spelled that way, is pronounced that way. Okay, by, spelled that way, pronounced that way. Spy and spry. You're good so far? Yeah. So if we dance them, we've got I, which is just a diphthong. It doesn't have any consonants in it. So it's a, it's a P. By, by, spry. They've got consonants. If the 
consonants are all what kind of consonants? Onset. They're all onset, right? Does that make sense? So how do I know that? Well, this is a vowel. It's a kind of vowel called a diphthong, but it's, it's a vowel. Vowel, vowel, vowel. We all agree these were one syllable, right? So if there's a consonant in there that's before the vowel, it has to be an onset. And if there's more than one of them, it's, it's just an onset cluster. Multiple consonants, but they're all sitting in the onset of the same syllable. Now, my next step, this is helpful often, is to translate the IPA into what I call the CV skeleton. Because we think that in languages, the syllabification rules tend to categorize things as either consonant or vowel and then use those in order to decide what kind of syllables you so this is a diphthong, but that's just a special kind of vowel, so I wrote it in B for vowel. Here's a consonant, vowel. Here's two consonants in a row, vowel. Three consonants in a row. And then vowel, let me just ask you a quick question about these words, I, by, spy, spry. Do they rhyme? Yes. Good. If everybody, if you were a poet and you had to make lines that ended rhyming, those would Rhyme with each other. Good. Now, what about these? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, can, can somebody say that word? Aisle, file, style. Now, here's a case where Richard's question is really important. This is how I would write these words in IPA. Aisle, file, style. Are they, is each of them a one syllable word or are they two syllables? Do you notice that the coda consonant, what might be a coda consonant, the last consonant in the word is an ol. An ol is a sonorant consonant. So, when I use these, I think I think of them as one syllable. Aisle, mile, style. To me, that's one beat. That's there is legitimate interspeaker variability on this. So if I were doing my CV skeleton of these guys, I would say this, these are each monosyllabic words, and that's their syllable shape. Does that make sense so far? You see how I'm getting from the IPA to the skeleton, right? Is there any term that has an onset? Yeah, so, so that, this is a good question. Is there any term for a syllable that has both an onset and a coda on it? And the answer to that is no. Weirdly, we can talk about syllables being having an onset or being onset-less. We can talk about them having a coda or not having a coda. But there's no key term that's, that refers to syllables that have a consonant on either side. Which is weird, but it's the result of the fact that in languages of the world, the rules that refer to onset seem to be independent of the rule, rules that refer to coda. So every language spoken, every spoken human language ever documented allows syllables of shape CV. Every language allows there to be at least one consonant 
in onset. However, not every language requires or allows there to be a consonant at the end. Right? And if you allow onsets that are complex, that doesn't necessarily tell us anything about what you're going to allow on the other side. So you want to think about the beginning of the syllable and the end of the syllable as sort of independent from each other with respect to your grammar. Okay. For those of you for whom these are two-syllable words, then you might, if I'm going to emphasize the difference, I'll say I'll one syllable, I'll, I'll, two syllables, bile, style, two syllables. I'm going to note, so a couple of things I've just done in my CV skeleton. One thing is I put these little periods in there. The period just tells me where there's a syllable boundary. And I've marked these guys, I put the little S-O-N on them, because they are sonorant, and English allows sonorant things to be their own syllable. Okay. Now. Can you use aisle and aisle as a minimal pair? Yeah. Could you use, oh, that's interesting. Could you use aisle and aisle, one syllable, and aisle? As a minimal pair, you could, and in fact, English has some minimal pairs that are a little bit like that. Um, think about the word that means extreme happiness, and it's spelled J-O-Y. Joy. Joy. How many syllables in that? One. Now think about the name, the nickname you give somebody whose actual name is Joe. Joey. The only difference is syllabification. Right, one of those one syllable joy, joy, two syllables. Yeah. So, so you can make a, a minimal pair of a word and a word that's a title, and they're pronounced differently? Sure. Sure. Because Joey is a title. Well, like it's a proper name, but it, it wouldn't have to be. So, so if you so said like, I have a word for, for mm -hmm. speak, can I make that my language name if I put a pause in it? Okay, so the question is, can you take a, a regular word from your language and make it into a title, like a, a proper noun? Absolutely, you can. And is sure. it a pair? Um, if, it, if there's a difference in sound. Yeah, that's what, that's what they make. Yeah, so if there's a difference in sound, that counts as a minimal pair. You had a question or a comment, Chris? Um, no? Joey's also a baby kangaroo. Uh, Joey is also a baby kangaroo, that's true. And that's the two-syllable one, right? Not the one-syllable one. Excellent. Now, here I've stolen some words from a field notebook. Because I want you imagine these were your words. Now you're working on part three of your field notebook. You're trying to understand what the CV skeleton is, what the phonotactics are of your language. This word, um, this looks a little icky. It's not the person's fault who made the language. It's the fault of that we have two diacritics on that vowel. It's a high tone and accent mark. And also a nasalization mark, the tilde. So, how would we say that? Eat. Eat means water. How many syllables is that word? Has to be one, right? Why does it have to be one? One vowel. 
Nothing else in there is sonorant. If you want to take on a language in which any consonant could be a peak, you're making your life really difficult. But as an advanced project, I'm not going to say you can't, because there are some small number of languages that do that. Overwhelmingly, in languages of the world, this is going to be a monosyllable for the reason you guys just identified. What's its skeleton? VCC, right? What can you now conclude about the kinds of syllables allowed in this language? They can start with a vowel. So does the language allow onsetless syllables? Yes. How did you know? Because you had a word that started with a vowel. That's not because words have onsets, right? It's because syllables have onsets and words are made of syllables. Excellent. Does this language allow codas? Yes. Absolutely it does. How did you know? Because you've got consonants at the end of a word, right? It doesn't mean that words have codas. It means that words are made of syllables and syllables have codas. Yes. So I know the language I want to do has glottal stops. How do you skeletonize that? Okay, so the question is, what if you have glottal stop? How do you skeletonize skeletonize that? It's a consonant. Okay. Just like any other. It's a good question. Here's another word from the same language. Let's say it. Hey, remember E stands for A. Hey. Got a long vowel in it, means sky. How many syllables? Dude, that's kind of yeah, one. One vowel. It's a long vowel. What's the skeleton? C V, right? And if you wanted to mark that the vowel was long by using a colon after your V, you could, it doesn't matter. It's a little structure. Um what now do we know about this language that we didn't know from this word? There's an initial consonant, so we know we can get an onset, which is good news because every language allows one onset. So you see how much information you can pull out of just a couple of words in your inventory, right? And you're starting, I hope, to see what to look for in order to answer those questions in that section. Um, this is another word from the same language. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this now in a slightly different way. I wanna build you a tree over this word because linguists love trees and we think that syllable structure is like, like hierarchical and interesting way. So we've got a word, it means big. Do, do you remember how to say that sound? That's right. It's a retroflex alveolar closed. So this this says that or I'm not pronouncing it very well, but something like that. Right? So let's see the look, wait. How many syllables? This looks like a good candidate for a monosyllabic word. So let's say it's a monosyllabic word. Um, these are the phones that the word is made of, right? But we can sort of schematize those into a skeleton, just like that. 
Now, let's see. So we have one. We know that that's a word, right? I'm leaving myself room to draw, but I just want to make sure each step is clear. We know that that's a word. How do we know that it's a word? Well, it's made up of syllables. Also, you, you collected it, right? You have a meaning associated with it. It's in your field of one, maybe, or it's something like that. So it's good, good, good. It's a word. Um, and we think it's one syllable. So tell me, what's the peak of the syllable going to be? There it is, the vowel. Very good. Now, what does that mean about these consonants? What are they? Oh, oh no, I did it wrong. Yes, you're right. Those are onsets. This guy's got to be a coda, right? Because he's in a syllable, but he comes after the vowel. Now, we've got our onset. Should it bother us that we have two consonants in a row in onset? No, but we're going to want to note in our discussion that our language allows clusters in onset. That's a really nice cluster, by the way, for an onset. Happy for lots of languages to have that one. Okay. Now, I, at the end of the hour on Monday, Monday, no, Wednesday, long time ago, I gave you a little experiment, thought experiment, asking you to think about rhyme, what it means to say words rhyme. Well, there's a piece of a syllable in, in the universal syllable structure that gets called rhyme. And the piece of the syllable called the rhyme is going to be the piece that contains at least the peak, plus also the coda. And the reason that that bit gets called rhyme is because that's the bit that has to be the same in two words before those two words are considered to rhyme. So I'm going to now start triifying. All I've done is I've said, look, here are some pieces that we know are organized into a larger thing. And these two pieces together make one unit in that larger thing, the rhyme. And the syllable is composed of an onset plus a rhyme. So the rhyme includes the peak plus the coda, but not the onset. The syllable, the onset and the rhyme, yeah, the word contains the syllable. Now let me give you another example, same language. Some of the words that you created might be more than one syllable long. <laughs> and when you have words that are more than one syllable long, you've got a little bit more work to do in, in terms of understanding your syllable structure. So this word, demen, mm, malabiodental nasal, mm, demen means blood, there's its skeleton. Take a look. Do you see how that how I made that step? So consonant vowel, consonant vowel, consonant. That's a word. I know it's a word because I collected it in the field. It has a meaning. It can be pronounced. Mm-hmm. Ah, good question. We'll get there. 
So let's think about the things we can know about the syllable structure of this word. How many syllables will it be? Has to be two. Has to be two because we've got two vowels with a consonant in between them. So that means we've got a dip in sonority. So no matter what kind of language you're making, that has to be two. And those are the peaks. Right? We know that there's going to be two syllables, one to go with each peak. Now, we know that this, both of those syllables belong to the word. So I just connected my tree up here to say this word is going to have two syllables in it. That one has no choice but to be an onset, right? Why? It's right before the vowel. It's syllabified because it's in the word, so it has to be in the first syllable. What about this one? Has to be a coda, no choice. Why? End of the word after the vowel. Good. But Richard's right to notice that this one is a mystery. That's okay. We know that each syllable is going to have a rhyme containing the peak and the coda, if there is a coda. And we know that this is the rhyme of this syllable, this is the onset of this syllable, well, we have mystery, mystery, mystery. So let me ask you to vote. Vote one if you want the middle consonant to be onset of the second syllable. Vote two if you want the mystery consonant to be coda of the first syllable. There is no right or wrong answer here. Just pick which one you like. And I'll show you the structure we end up with. And please pick in the next three, two, one. Oh, I'm so, it's so much suspense. What are you guys going to, oh, okay. Okay, answer three. If you answered three to mean both, that's smart. Because it could be, but it could be both. But to keep the picture neat and clean, let me show you what the structure would look like if the majority of you won. So I'll take that middle consonant, I'll say, look, it's an onset. And now I've got two syllables making up one word. Both of them have an onset, right? You could just as, e as easily have made it into a coda. That's the minority decision. That's just as good. Neither of these is wrong. Yeah? Doesn't it change how you pronounce the word? No, it won't change the pronunciation at all. It will not change the pronunciation at all, but it might change certain things like uh, if you're, have you learned about the infix? If your language has a, a, a little guy that can go in the middle of words, uh, Ned Flanders, you know how he can say things like, well, diddly elkum? The diddly goes in the middle. 
Usually, if you've got something that can go in the middle of a word, it doesn't want to break up the syllable, so it will determine where that thing goes. Chris? Well, I was thinking along the lines of that, you know, the, the emphasis on the middle of it's, so the, the question is, will this have any difference in emphasis on the syllables? Not, not necessarily. There are certain words that depend on which part of the word you emphasize. Right. So there are in languages like English, I've got three more minutes I'm going to take on this. Languages like English, you can get words to mean different things if you just spend more time on one syllable or the other. Right? This does not affect that necessarily. So for the time being anyway, the, the decision you make about whether that guy in the middle is an onset or a coda, either is a right answer, but they, each of those could lead you to slightly different descriptions of the syllable structure of your language, potentially. Right? So as long as what you say about your words is sensible given the words, and I think you now know everything you need to know to get 100% on field level two. So I'm going to make you a video, again, of how to find illustrations of the IPA. I'm going to post you a master list of our various office hours. I'm going to encourage you to make appointments with someone, get some help if you're not sure what you're doing. And I will see you again on Wednesday.